so Hunter, this week we have a a a, 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 a kind of meaty numbers game we gotta uh, it's we'll get into like what's gonna go on with darkest dungeon but here's something i've been doing a lot recently uh mm-hmm. i've been playing yakuza kiwami in my spare time why why because it's doing fun that? it's a fun and cool video game that i like quite a bit and it's fun to uh when i when the stresses of lovecraftian horror uh do me in it's nice to just escape to the wonderful world of whatever that city is called. Matt, are you telling me that you take this job so not seriously <laughs> that you are, you endlessly complain? Every week, this is a complain fest for you of you complaining about, I can't play video games. Yeah. I have a daughter. I can't play video games, but I have a video game podcast. Yeah. yeah. And then you're out here. Mm hmm using your free time mm-hmm. to play video games or that are there for episodes of this show <laughs> that you are already recorded and you weren't on yeah that's what you're telling me yeah sometimes sometimes and i know it's gonna freak you out sometimes i play video games for fun this upsets me to no end <laughs> because i am out here doing the work playing the games taking it seriously this show this stupid show has colonized my free time it's set up shop there i play games for you and for the listeners Mm -hmm. hunter doesn't get to the other day there was some talk on the discord of like oh what will we do for the year-end episode maybe we should talk about games that we played that were not part of this show. I play 50 games a year for this show. <laughs> how many other video games do you think I'm playing? And how would I, when would I be playing these games? How many games do you think like industry people play? Not uh-huh. that we're a part, we're, we aren't. No. Okay. This, this is, is our is gambit to try to become, but. No, I don't want to be a part of it. They're all a bunch of nasty shills. I like being on the outside. But let me say this. How many games do you think those people play uh, in a year? I don't know. But 50's a lot. 50's, 50's a, lot. a lot. 50's a lot. That's and, a lot. Uh, and I'm, hey, I'm just trying to keep up. You know, I'm just trying. It's a little late, sure. But I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get my 50 in, you know? <laughs> You're here rolling in to class <laughs> like. A, uh, a month after hey, the professor, test was Hey, professor, I know due, the test like, was last week, but uh, could I just go ahead and take it? <laughs> hey, hey, professor, I start... You're not even... You didn't even finish it. You're like, yeah, professor, I uh, started on that study guide for that test <laughs> I missed last month. And the professor's like, yeah, okay. M- maybe you should start getting ready for the next test. Yeah, but the next test is, like, scary and boring. I don't know, man. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Old Gamers Almanac. I am your host, Hunter Donaldson. I am joined today by guest uh, Matt Martins. Hello. Thank you for having me today, Hunter. Uh, yep. Although, it's a weird way to say thanks because today I'm spooked. I'm scared. I'm feeling uh, incredibly overwhelmed by the weight of the darkness uh, because ah. today 
We're yes. talking about Darkest Dungeon, a game that mechanically and artistically uh, drains on my soul. Yeah, yes. Matt is very stressed out, and he has gained a new psychological ailment to join the ones he already possesses. I feel like if 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 we were darkest dungeon characters, mm -hmm. uh, I wonder how our stress points would be like yeah. distributed. You know what I mean? I like, would have come uh, off the stagecoach at like one full bar already done and like halfway <laughs> through the next one, and it's like you enter the first dungeon and it's like oh, I don't know, guys. Like <laughs> my character is just the stressed guy. <laughs> like that's that's my trait. Is like oh, I'm already freaked out. Yeah, this is, we're already in kind of mean-spirited bit territory, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if you were a Darkest Dungeon character, you'd already be starting with some pretty bad yeah. stuff, and then mine would be the kind of thing where I get stressed, I don't know if you, if you had this experience, but when your character gets really stressed, sometimes they can actually get a positive ailment <laughs> from it. Yeah. And I feel like that's what would happen to my character Darkest Dungeon, is I'm just like accumulating positive yeah. ailments from right. being stressed out. Right. You That's come back true. you come back home and they're like, "Do you want to like do you want to like take a rest? Do you want to just sort of like sleep over here at this kind of like, no, 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 send me back in actually. I like the freaky <laughs> let me stuff. Go, let, me, let me go again. It was good. I let got me, the good freaky stuff let now. Let me go lick some tentacles real quick. I think that'll help actually more. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a condition to tentacle love in uh in Darkest Dungeon. It's a very popular one. It's very fun. Uh, anyways, if you don't know this game, you might not really understand our jokes yeah. right now. Darkest Dungeon is a indie. Indie darling is the term well, we like to use. Let me put it this way. Uh, Darkest Dungeon is the first game off of our every wheel. The yes. first time we spun the wheel and a listener provided us with a game to play. And Geo Morgski was the winner of that every wheel with Darkest yep. Dungeon. And let me just put it to you how... Geo Morgsky described Darkest Ooh, Dungeon. Yes, 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 yes. Darkest Dungeon is a turn-based dungeon crawler where your mysterious ancestor has called you back to explore the various infected mazes around your old family estate. It leans heavily into the Lovecraft gothic vibe. I chose it because it ticked three boxes I thought were fun for an old gamer's almanac game. Number one. It's a good game. It's unlikely to crap the, uh, crack the OGA top 10, but I genuinely enjoy playing Darkest Dungeon, and I thought Matt and Hunter would too. It's got great voice acting, it's well-designed, and it also ticks the indie darling box that Hunter just referenced. Number two, it's hard and mean. For someone who likes to save scum, uh, which w we haven't said this term in a while, but we don't call it save scumming here. It's a mm -mm. save sweetie. You're a save sweetie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having a game that actively forbids quitting and restarting was an unexpected positive when I first played it. There are wonderful streams online where people get to a particularly cruel bit and just lose their shit. Even the easiest setting, Radiant, is a serious challenge. There's a difficulty mode, Stygian. It has instant failure conditions that deletes the whole run if triggered. It seemed a perfect addition to Matt's frustration corner, and uh, we will certainly talk about that today. Number three... It is Dadlands compatible. Even though it's amazingly good at building stress for a turn-based game, you can quit and walk away at any time, even mid-boss fight, and return to exactly the same screen after a diaper changer a few weeks away. I did not think about the completion time for this game when I suggested it. That's because I didn't play it to finish it at first. 
Optimizing your team and trinkets and trying different squad mixes was most of the fun. I didn't even go into the darkest dungeon, which is an actual area of the game, before yeah. reaching 100 hours of play. Mostly Oof. because I was a bit scared of trying the final levels without being ready. I don't think it's even a game you need to complete, to be honest. If you've put a torch where you shouldn't and have to watch your team die of heart attacks, losing all of your carefully collected trinkets in the process, you've truly experienced the essence of Darkest Dungeon. Uh, so thank you for that blurb, Geo Morgski. Uh, I, I hope future uh, every wheel winners take your sort of lead here and give us sort of the pitch. I love having the pitch of why we are doing this game, especially because uh, I don't think this is a game Hunter, you or I would have chosen any time soon. I don't, it was not no. on my radar in the slightest. Mm -mm. Yeah. I, I, it's a little bit outside of our wheelhouse. I feel like mostly due to the art style mm -hmm. and the, what else about i don't know there's mechanically there's a lot here that's consistent with like i like xcom yeah yeah and this definitely has some xcom vibes and that you have your your people and they're gonna die so you may <laughs> as well get really attached to them or or not there's definitely aspects of this game that's a little more meat grindery yeah um that i feel like isn't quite compatible with with the whole xcom like get really attached to your bros and now your bros are dead vibe. Sure. But it's definitely about sending people to their deaths at times. Right, right. Yeah, well, and, and I think what feeds into that, let's talk about mechanically, like what we're really dealing with here. It's like a roguelite. It's a roguelite RPG. Um, you have a, a, it's like a on a two-dimensional plane, you just have like a lane of four characters that can occupy one of four slots. You got your back line, your front line, and two spots in between. Mm -hmm. And all of the moves in the game can be used from specific positions. So like this move only gets used in position one, two, or three, which means if that right. character ends up in spot four, they can't use that move anymore. And then on the other side of the battlefield, you've got potentially up to four enemies and your attacks can only hit people in those four lanes. So then your team composition on top of like your typical RPG sort of just stats and have a healer and have a whatever, a status effect, that kind of stuff, you also have to consider Am I able to attack all of my, like, are all of my characters in some way able to target all potential enemies? Or do I have ways to move enemies around to make sure I can, you know, hurt all the things? Like, if I want to just kill a whole wave, I gotta, you know, I can't only have attacks that only hit the their their back line or whatever. So there's right. there's added levels of, that's sort of your tactical strategy. So, so as opposed to XCOM, where your tactics are like this grid-based map, you just have these four slots you have to like really think about where your team is going to be. Yeah, and a lot of the like abilities that your party members have are very consistent with um, like kind of your darker D&D variants or like Call of Cthulhu, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot of status effects, um, I would say there's just enough uh, right. of them, uh, and your characters have abilities that either just do damage or do damage and cause an effect, or do, you know, area of effect damage, or can hurt people, but only in the back line, right. or can can change the order of the uh, enemies that you're fighting as far as, like, where they are in line, which can be very helpful because a lot of the times 
you'll be set up strategically with your your big nasty meat boys up yeah. front and then <laughs> your little sneaky boys and girls in back yeah, you know yeah. and then maybe it's fun to pull the sneaky boy and girl up front you know one, one of my favorite there's, abilities that sort of gets to that idea is there's there's this one character that's the jester or whatever and he, he he's got a bunch of like whatever sort of strange effects but he's got this one attack that's like you know a massive damage attack but it can really only be used in the back and in using the attack he jumps forward a slot so you're Absolutely. like on this timer yeah. of the number of times you can even use this massive attack before you have to then get him back you know back him up and put him somewhere else or whatever and when he jumps forward you're pushing your forward lines back so you're not only getting rid of his possible attacks you're getting rid of your other characters possible attacks so you have to like limit the amount you're using those attacks or have a very specific plan of how you're going to balance against this character moving too far forward in your own line right yeah so it uh there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that it's uh it's turn-based it's very like it it appears to be a very simple system mm -hmm. uh at the beginning of my time with it but as i played it i got really into the the kind of depth of this uh and it's mastering this system is pretty fun yeah um i will say i feel a little bad there's something i feel a little bit bad about um which is that in geomorgsky's message um they mentioned that the the primary aspect of this game is the idea that your luck can run out at any point mm -hmm. and everything can go really bad for you and i played this game for a week i spent a week playing this game i put a lot of time in I never really got that bad a luck, which mm -hmm. makes me feel kind of crazy. Um, I think I should have switched to a harder difficulty in order to like more quickly like run into that wall. Yeah. But for whatever it's worth, I I didn't. I did I did have some characters die on me, but it's mostly characters in like my B squad. You sort of are are given like access to a lot of people. You right. got a lot of meat in this game. Right. Um, and depending on who's dying, you might not really care that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, although there's probably going to be characters that are your highest level characters that if they die, that would be tragic. And honestly, with my setup, I was highly dependent on one specific team of four. They were the team that I used anytime I was going to fight like a boss or go into one of the bigger dungeons. I was like, oh, I need my A squad. Yeah. If any of them had died, it would have been tragic. And from what I understand... There's a lot of, uh, you know, invisible die rolls happening in this game. And had I gotten a bad one, I would have wiped, probably. Right. This right. is something that could have just happened to me at any point. Now, it did not in the time that I spent with it. Yeah. So, well, and what you told me is you maybe only lost a single character ever. Not only did you not I have a I team wipe, one, you, yeah. you only had one character ever die. Um, were you on... Do you? I don't think you knew if you are on the easiest difficulty or the like medium difficulty or not. I remember when I was looking at the difficulties, there was one that was specifically like for your first playthrough, you should play this one. Yeah. And I clicked that. Right. And now I don't remember which one that was, that was. but uh, if, if a game tells me that this is the one I should play the first time, I'm like, well, that's yeah. pretty definitive. Yeah. I think I need to start doing that because what, here's what they always do. Here's what difficulty modes always do. They always say, if you're new to this genre, do this one. If this is your first time playing this game, but you're not new to the genre, do this one. If you know this game, do this one, right? Those are like the three standard difficulties I feel like yeah. these days and sure, how sure, they're sure. worded. And I think I'm always like, well, I've played some RPGs. 
I can play an RPG. I'll do the medium difficulty. But I think that I'm doing myself a disservice by um, not properly... Like, the RPGs I've played are like Bethesda games, you know? And that's not... Mm -hmm the same category as this and i've you know right. like i played pokemon and bethesda those are those are the rpgs i've put time into the other rpgs i've i've i know what the numbers kind of mean you know i know what damage over time is i know what some of these things are i've played some wow i played a decent number of hours of wow um but i think i need to start treating myself as a person who hasn't played any rpgs when i load these games up and it's like i think i need the, to have the game treat me like a dumb dumb and be like, you don't know what any of this stuff is, and we are going to really coach you through it. Because I think I loaded this game up on fat medium difficulty or whatever it is, and I felt instantly overwhelmed. So there's already like a disparity in Hunters and I's experience. Your thing was like pretty easy on the face of it, and then you so slowly discovered that sort of depth that was kind of intriguing to you. I loaded it up and I saw a screen full of numbers, damage 50%, accuracy 72, like just all this stuff. And like, I had an idea of what those numbers meant, but I felt like it was my job to invest a deeper, richer understanding of those numbers. And maybe I'm that I've that overwhelms me in a way that is not conducive to then enjoying the game very much. So I got like really mm -hmm. instantly overwhelmed by what the heck was even going on when realistically, especially at the beginning of the game, when you don't have anything leveled up. It's just hit the uh, hit the enemies with the attacks that do some damage and get through the dungeon. Like that's all you have to think about. And I spent so much time overthinking every battle, every uh, you know journey off into a dungeon. I was like, do I have everything ready to go for all possible mm -hmm. things? And it's like, well, the game is gonna. You're at the beginning of the game, brother. <laughs> like it's not gonna give you the crazy stuff yet. And I just don't think I. I think that really painted uh, some of the experience for me. Yeah, I. It's interesting. So, so anytime I get overwhelmed with with numbers in an RPG, I always break it down like this. I don't really need to know what these numbers mean yeah. until I can make choices that affect these numbers right. in any way. Right. So I basically ignore character stats until. I have to do something in order to like make those stats grow or change. Like right. until we get into the progression part, I basically just assume, you know, this character it, unless well, okay. So so there's a bad situation that can happen, which does happen with this game a little bit. It's not always obvious from the character class yes. what part on the kind of trinity that they fulfill, you know, whether they're uh, supposed to be a fighter or there I feel like this as far as character classes go, they almost all sound like rogues to me um, <laughs> as far as like what class this is. Yeah. Uh, but you can, I don't know, ex you experiment a little bit and you're like, wait, no, this one's a bit meaty. I think this one's more of a fighter right. um, and less of a rogue. Um, and then the magic stuff is all pretty, that, that stuff's all pretty straightforward, actually. Right. I feel like it's either, they're basically either hero, healers or um, necromancers yeah. are kind of the two types of... Uh, of characters that I have that they have in Darkest Dungeon. Um, I found though that like the character progression stuff that is in this game is really simple. It's all just like you get gold and you can use that to like upgrade the specific abilities that your characters have. Right. And beyond that, they just level up. 
I didn't even really understand the equipment system of this game much at all because every time I picked up a piece of equipment, it would essentially say something like, this will give X thing, but you'll lose something else like speed or something like that, which makes sense and is kind of sure. like a pretty natural RPG thing for it to be. You equip equipment and equipment makes you slower because it is a thing that you're yeah. putting on your person. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. But at the same time, it also kind of made it where I was sort of like, well, speed is probably good. So maybe <laughs> if I don't think this sounds that great, I just won't use it, which yeah. I made that choice for actually a lot of the equipment. Um, there were only a, a handful of items that i found in the game that i was like this seems so useful that i absolutely need to use it yeah i i think the progression of this game is sort of even one aspect of of two scales that i felt myself kind of bumping up against not in a negative way either but just like what the challenges were which is it's a it is also a roguelite so of course progression and sort of slow incremental progression is a part of that right like you just got to slowly work on your team and do harder and harder challenges and keep going back in but what's cool about the hub world of this game is how sort of that interacts with uh that progression because there are times you basically have two sliding scales of how your characters can die and what can happen to them there's their, mm -hmm. their your typical thing health and then there's sort of the lovecraftian standard that you know has its weird uh, uh, social conflicts, which is uh, your sanity or whatever. We can, you know, there's people that write really well about whether or not sanity is a, a good thing to have. But it's a, it is a mainstay of the Lovecraftian world, and let's just treat it as a mechanical thing for now. I mean, we can also say it's problematic. It's I mean, problematic. it's a problematic game right. mechanic. I exactly. mean, it just is. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm not trying to excuse it. I'm just saying, like... Yeah. It's okay to to recognize that it's problematic and then also be like, right, it's not really like we're not going to explain that to you. You should no. check out the, the writing. That's yeah. that's, that's and, and realistically you know, in there. this game, it mostly actually just amounts to f just fear and the fear that your person won't want to go back into this thing. And then they like if they get too scared, they'll suffer a heart attack out of fear. So mostly yeah. it's just being scared of the dark dungeons you're going into. I do like that um, Darkest Dungeon does not approach this subject matter at, in a kind of tongue-in-cheek way. Yeah. I don't really think you're supposed to be, like, laughing at it, which right. I appreciate. This very easily could have dipped into a kind of humorous exploration of these mechanics, which I would think accentuate the right. problematic aspect of having sanity be a game mechanic, or even having, like, you know, these, like, kind of uh, psychological ailments uh, or or even yeah. so, it's weird they go from like being like kind of mental illness type mm -hmm. leaning to yeah. being like also like personal failing type right i don't think I, I i don't think it's been done in a way that feels like super macabre or no. or callous um but also just the the whole general idea is is yeah there's there's maybe there's there might be some yeah. issues here a little right. bit right I, I do think they do a good job though because so much of it felt like morale too like some of the best instances of this stuff coming up is one character dips too deep right you you, you get mm -hmm. too scared and then they start doing the like aliens like game over man and it yeah. freaks everybody else out like their right. their bad morale is affecting the team basically Absolutely. so it really isn't like Oh, I'm turning everyone into some weird mental illness. I the writers don't understand. It's right. it very rarely is is handling it in that way. It's literally just like uh skeletons walking around and attacking me with an axe sure is scary. Don't like that right. too much. Um right. so anyways, 
these two tracks are things that you, uh, you know, in in an actual dungeon, you're keeping track of your health, but your uh, fear level main uh, maintains across, and they take that with them back to the hub world. And then there's things in the hub world that are meant to sort of refresh their palate and get them, hey, calm down. Hey, I know that was freaky, but why don't you go over to the bar? Why don't you do this thing? And... The aspect Hunter was talking about earlier where the, the game wants you to maybe invest in these characters. This is where this stuff comes in because there's a bunch of different ways you can relieve the stress of your characters. Yeah. And depending on what that character is like, what that class is, you know, you've got your holy characters. Well, they like to go chill in the abbey. They like to go pray. And then you got your weird rogues that they like to go to the bar and have a beer or whatever. Right. And you have to you have to learn what your characters like and don't like to get them to uh, more quickly, you know, heal their fear, basically, which is is a fun, uh, I like that idea quite a bit, especially in this setting, obviously, like in a Lovecraftian setting, the idea that you have to send them back to the city. And the big thing too is that always stalls progression, right? To heal your fear, that person's got to stay home for a few weeks and they're not going to do the next mission. So they're not going to progress, which means you got to be thinking about multiple teams progressing because sometimes people aren't going to go out and level up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's, I I do like too that the like kind of two primary um, like pillars of stress relief when you're like kind of in the hub world are either like vices uh, or church. Yeah. Um, that is pretty hilarious that that's the only two ways that basically people could relieve themselves of the world of darkest dungeon is like, uh, you either go gambling yeah. or you're drunk or uh, maybe you go someplace else. If you know what I'm talking about? Uh, or it's, it's to church with you. <laughs> only church will heal your mind. Yeah. Well, I'm the first person I sent to church uh i come back the next week and then they're just gone and it was like oh yeah they got really into church and they went off on a mythical spirit quest and we don't know if they're ever coming back and so it was like oh that was my healer so um what do i what do i do my healer left i guess yeah Uh, the answer to that question is uh this game loves to just throw characters at you uh it's like pokemon if you could just catch three free Pokemon every single screen. Just like, here's more Pokemon, and you just just throw them through the meat grinder. Who cares? You're going to get more next week. You could literally lose three characters every single week and never run out of characters because you're just going to get more when you come back to town. Yeah, it's really... It's re- I don't know. Yeah. It's dark. It, you ca- <laughs> it's a dark <laughs> message it's sending. It, it, is, it is a dark thing, yeah. This, ga- this game is is pretty dark. Um, yeah, when you're, start- when you're looking through... Your characters like like uh, stressed out uh, character qualities to try and figure out like whether they can go to the brothel or not, uh-huh. like whether you can trust them to go there. You're kind of like, yeah, wow, this 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 game is uh, gamifying some pretty weird yeah. uh, pretty weird subject matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's part of this tradition of like you know like the Call of Cthulhu type yeah. role playing game. Um, it's very invested in in that type of stuff. If or if you've ever played um, any of the uh, like Arkham Horror or Eldritch Horror like board games, yeah. you will be like pretty well acquainted with this style of game. I would say um, it's kind of that plus a almost JRPG esque like turn based yeah. battle system is basically what I would what I would say. I, I think my favorite thing about it, to be honest, is that thing we were talking about before with the whole like front row and back row type stuff yeah 
Um, I think manipulating that aspect of the battle system, while I've played battle systems that like kind of involved a lot of movement in that way. In fact, actually, Matt, you missed it, but uh, when we played Anachronox, Anachronox mm. has kind of an interesting play on this type thing of having this like kind of grid that you can move around on. Um, yeah. And uh, that's pretty cool. I like turn-based role-playing combat uh, systems that involve like movement yeah. of any kind right um and not just you know in dragon quest 11 your characters can run around for some reason but the, it doesn't do anything <laughs> so like you can to walk <laughs> to the edge of the arena and select uh hit with sword and then they just turn around and hit it with hit the <laughs> monster with the sword it's very silly but yeah um i the the thing that i think tripped me up a number of times and this is i don't know if this is a fault of the game or not but it's it's more evidence of like i'm too stupid for this game which was the oh, speed Matt, come it's, on no, 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 come okay. on hey, this is the part i come have to on. hunter if i'm gonna survive in this world i have to accept my post 30 stupidity right like i have to i'm gonna have to start leaning in at some point or it's but isn't or, there possibly another explanation we'll besides we'll the you're too I, stupid for the video i game? rarely i rarely think the game is dumber than i am i rarely think that I, it's usually a me problem uh, is is my i think my whole vibe but anyways let me get to the point i was making which is just that something that i um found tricky and was stressed about is the the biggest amount of random chance this game throws at you there's really two. One of them doesn't bother me. There's a chance to hit in anything, and it tells you what your chance to hit is going to be. So just like XCOM, it'll be like 80% chance to hit, and then you miss, and you're like, what the hell? I Really? I rolled the one out of five? That's fine, right? We've all we've all been there. The, mm -hmm. other, the other random chance that was kind of getting to me is that speed stat, which obviously you can manipulate. If you can increase your speed in some way, you could, you could sort of get the better of this, but you sort of randomly determine what order you're going to attack in each round yeah and like one of the most useful moves in this game in my opinion is the stun if you have an attack that can stun the enemy you get a little you get little check marks on each character of like they haven't attacked yet and they need to attack this round and so right. you can intentionally if if your stunner can go first you can hit one of their characters that you know is going to do the worst damage or whatever and you can stun them and so then when it gets to their turn it'll just skip their turn they won't get to do anything and that's like a great way to efficiently get through a battle but you aren't perfectly in say of like when your stunner is gonna go so some rounds your stunner just goes last and you don't you just get nothing out of that stun or whatever um and right. I, I that part of it it's like okay i can't rely on my stun saving me in in battles or whatever like i have to have this other i gotta have a, a backup plan or whatever and i just found that feeling bad to me like in, in in my expectations for the game i wanted more uh control over that and obviously this game is like not about you having control over the scenario the the game is about like a slow trickle towards things bad happening to you all the time or whatever like it's that kind of dark thing but that's where for, for me, the the combat itself is what I bounced against the most. And what I really liked was the planning things out in the hub world and then getting ready for a dungeon and being like, OK, what do I want the team to be going into this? You know, I, how do right. I how do I line them up and how do I maintain that line throughout the whole dungeon? But the actual act of like doing combat and going through a dungeon 
more often than not was just something I was bouncing off against and, and not really enjoying my time with um, just because of how it it just made me feel uh, weighted and and bad. Right. It's it's it, and I think the game was going for that. Like it's you know, you have a light meter that's slowly trickling down as you go through a dungeon. Every step forward is is losing access to things and, and mm-hmm. your stats are getting in decreased as you uh, lose light levels and stuff like that. And it just was like it was very heavy on me. Yeah, I think the game it delights in being occasionally unfair. But yeah. but when it's unfair, I don't I never really felt like it was my fault when bad things would happen. Sure. Um, and to me, it was more about maintaining momentum above it. I, anytime a game has like a a sanity meter, I'm always like, okay, well, I got to make sure that we stay ahead on that. Cause like the sanity meter is going to be the type of thing where if it starts getting bad, it's going to start chain reacting and that type of thing. So I always made sure to like have a lot of torches with me when I was in a dungeon and keep everything very well lit, even though the game actively tells you like the darker it gets the better your rewards and i'm like well i don't know about these rewards and i don't care (laughs) i just keep it well lit and i just try and win my battles you know what i mean like that's i played this game very safe yeah you know very like meticulous uh i used like a torch every single section yeah in the in each dungeon so like that's one torch per per room and one torch per hallways between rooms that's a lot of torches yeah okay that's a lot of torches <laughs> yeah yeah that's like that's like two full sacks of torches every dungeon and that's yeah. basically was my standard right um and then i would always bring a lot of food i was i would always bring like more than i needed of, of basically everything and my economy was like working out i was kind of hmm. keeping track of how much money i was having and yeah. then still like making enough to pay for my stuff and keep going forward and stuff i did like that the kind of meta progression of like being able to upgrade the various facilities in my hub world and being able to upgrade my characters. And also, and this is key, this is probably what explains the difference in our experience is most important thing you should know about me and a game like darkest dungeon is that in darkest dungeon, you can name your characters. (laughs) Now that might not seem very important right away, Uh but what that means is that I can name the characters after my friends which means that when they die or get hurt, I get scared because they represent my friends in real life. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. But like, yeah. Matt, you played as my highwayman. Oh, you no. were, you were my, my rogue. Um, you were on my A team. My A team wow. was, was you and Sean up front. And then, oh, and then, uh, and then Claire, our friend Claire, who uh-huh. doesn't listen or who will never listen. Um, <laughs> And then uh, uh, a friend of mine who also doesn't listen uh, that uh, is kind of weird that he was on the A team because he's just a, he's a friend of mine that I we I have a movie night here every Monday night yeah. uh, and he he comes to it uh, and his name is Ben um, but one of my roommates is named Ben uh, but this this guy's a doctor so we call him Doctor Ben um, and and the character was a plague doctor and I was like who do I know that's a doctor so I called uh, so I yeah. named him Doctor Ben. Um, so that was my A squad was was you and Sean one, two, and Claire, three of my closest friends, and then uh, a new uh, acquaintance. Yeah. Um, What's great so about that, that is you get to sort of develop a kind of parasocial relationship where suddenly you're like, wait, you you like really think about Dr. Ben's well-being way more. And so the next time Dr. Ben shows up to your house, you're like, hey, hey, how are you? No, really? Yeah. 
How yeah, yeah. are you? How I've, are you? I've been thinking about you a lot this week. <laughs> right. I always, whenever I do this with people, I always like to tell them how they're doing in my game. <laughs> like, like with Dr. Ben, I'll be like, you're doing so good in Dar Darkest Dungeon right now. And he'll be like, what? And he'll be like, well, I made you in Darkest Dungeon yeah. and you're doing pretty good. And they always seem freaked out. I made you. I made a trinket with your name I, on I, it. I made a little representation of you. If you die, um, you die in real life, Ben. <laughs> I've actually been playing uh, Crusader Kings 3 again, which is another game that I like to do that with because then you name, yeah. you know, I n always name my, my first player character, Matt, uh -huh. and then uh, Matt, you, you'll you have... Is uh, a petulant you know, child king, and yes, no. go on. Mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> no, you're always a, you, I always make you a very good strategist. You're all, you're always, you're always a, a, a general, Matt. Yeah. Um. But yeah, sorry, I don't want to get too far away from Darkest Sure, Sentry, sure. But yeah, I just wanted to mention, I've been playing Crus War Crusader Kings 3. Let me tell my story to, uh, to Geo Morgsky's credit. Tell your story. Uh, that I had a team wipe on like my third or fourth run. So contrary to Hunter, wow. never, uh, basically never failing, I shit the bed <laughs> really hard, really early. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was my first excursion with what I assumed would become my B, B team. Or it was like... It was like the trial for my B team, right? It was like, all yeah. right, new recruits, let's see what you're made of. And I don't know if maybe I should have like had two old hats and and slowly trickled in new recruits, but I was like, this is the beginning of the game. I've only gone on three missions. They're not even that right. much more leveled. Like this is the perfect time to just sort of evenly level up a bunch of people, I thought. And that was probably true, but then I just I just whiffed it really hard with um I think a a series of bad luck mixed with bad decisions uh really yeah. really tore this run apart for me i was trying out classes i didn't know anything about the game starts you with like really cliche standard classes you can very quickly understand but then you start getting new characters added where you're like oh i don't know what's going on oh i have a jester what the heck could a jester mm -hmm. mean? let's let's try mm -hmm. that out and what's hilarious is the run i was focusing on with my jester the jester's whole thing is the jester's there for morale the jester's the jester's gonna heal your sanity and make everybody feel better well that is in case you don't bring a shovel and part of the game is uh sometimes you come across piles of stuff and uh that stuff is like dirt but also like dead bodies and also just like horrible things and uh if you don't have a shovel your characters have to just dig through it with their hands and so Ew. not only does it hurt them, it freaks them out because they're like touching dead bodies and moving them and stuff. And it's yeah, very dark. Ew. So you, you go up on both scales outside of combat, right? There's just nothing you can do about it. Uh, it it's just a thing that happened to you. That happened to me three times in a row, like in the first three hallways I went in, bam, 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 got hit with all those things. So now suddenly everyone is like doing much worse on all of their scales but I was reading strategy. I was trying to be a good, like, I was thinking about the game and I'm, I'm watching videos about, like, top five tips to start out your runs of Darkest Dungeon or whatever. And one of the things I was learning is, like, the game actually kind of likes it when you sort of hang out in a battle for a long time. And this is something that's a new idea to me in RPGs because I'm, I again, I should be treating these games like I don't know anything about the series. And the thing I learned in Final Fantasy VII uh, in that old episode is like hang out in the fights and try out moves and do a lot like when the fight isn't threatening that's your chance to play in the space to and learn stuff, and learn yeah. stuff and so i was yeah. like i'm gonna do that i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna learn stuff and the thing i learned is like 
kill as many enemies as fast as possible, and then leave one weak dude around and just, like, stun him every round, and you can spend time, like, healing and doing all that, like, status effect stuff. Well, I don't know what I did wrong, but boy howdy did that not work. Uh, I had one character, but I came out of that, or I had one enemy, and I, I was doing all those things and trying to heal status effects, but it seemed like actually things were just getting worse. All, the longer I was in this fight, the worse things were getting, and, you know, I'm using my jester every round to try and improve people's morale, but it felt like I was uh, net net negative on the morale side of things right. i was not yeah, actually yeah. healing the morale it was only getting worse and that's after dealing a bunch of group bad morale and then the worst decision is i'm also just playing around with mechanics and i have this on this mission i, I have this campfire and it says i have to use the campfire at some point in this thing i don't i didn't know what that mean maybe i didn't actually have to use it but the thing made it sound like you're gonna have to use this at some point on this quest uh and boy, I chose the wrong time to do it because all of my characters were pretty freaked out. And then I did a campfire. And at the campfire, there's a phase where you have to eat food. This is the time where we eat. And if you don't have any food, everyone flips their lid and uh, loses it. And I, it was a chain reaction of one character getting bad. And I had to try to heal their sanity, but them getting uh, you know, above the bar and having a heart attack freaked the others out and all four of them wiped all in there. And it wasn't even in a fight. There was just like nothing else I could do. I just watched them all die outside of combat. And I That's amazing. just didn't even fully understand what went wrong. Like, I didn't feel like I learned the lesson I was supposed to learn. Although I, I obviously learned probably some lessons, but like it was like the first run where I felt like I was doing what I've heard other people tell me to do and it failed miserably and it really pushed me off from the game to where every run after that just felt like another risk of that happening again. And it made it's like every time it was like, is the is like the really horrible chain reaction going to happen to me again? And I just found myself I could only ever do one run at a time from that point on. I would do one run and I would be like, huh. I finished the run and I did, I did, I did not enjoy any of that. I felt stressed the whole time that I was going to team wipe again or something. Mm -hmm. And I would immediately just like, let me turn this off and let me play some Yakuza Kiwami. Let me do something different. Let me, let me find something more joyful because I can't sit in this space. And, uh, that, that's really where I like bounced off this game. And again, it's like, I don't know. It, it felt like it was just me not playing right. And it felt like me not learning the lessons the game wanted to teach me and not giving the game enough time but it's like, I didn't want to give it more time. I wasn't enjoying the vibe to want I to don't, invest the time into learning the lessons that the numbers needed to teach me. I don't think you like games that give negative feedback, basically. And Darkest Dungeon gives a lot of negative feedback. Mm -hmm. Like, Darkest Dungeon, even if you're playing it well, is sort of, it's, it's like that disaster management yeah. type stuff. Right. Which, honestly, I find it kind of surprising that you've always been such a big fan of FTL. Mm -hmm. Because FTL is sort of like a similar vibe, right? Like, you yeah. show up to a thing, it's it's a sort of random thing, and it's going to create problems that you now have to solve. That's kind of how I think of Darkest Dungeon. It's like, here's, okay, now we got a bunch of issues, let's figure them out. Um, why what do you think is the difference there between a darkest dungeon and an ftl because you like one and and yeah. the other doesn't click well, as much for you and i'm just kind of curious ftl has glimmers of fun wacky sci-fi storytelling right and there's encounters that have nothing to do with like degradation 
right? Sometimes you just get great things in FTL and you get to yeah, the you shop get and random boons. You just got yeah. you get awesome little boons and I think maybe that just keeps me going and I don't know that the negatives that you hit in FTL are I don't know, it might literally be like kind of an art thing. Like I I I I don't click with Lovecraft like pretty much at all. Mm-hmm. Um despite trying a number like I've read a number of Lovecraft stories. I've played Lovecraft board games. It just never really clicks with me necessarily. Um and yeah, I I I think FTL for me is more enjoyable to see those random chances and and feel that story develop whereas a Dungeon and Darkest Dungeon, I didn't feel a story really developing it felt just like yeah. a series of hallways and sometimes the hallways have nothing and then sometimes it leads to a room that has nothing in it and then you go on to the next room and then like every once in a while a, a fight breaks out or whatever and sometimes you come across a cool little shine and it does give you a good thing right there's positive boons you get throughout dungeons of, yeah uh, yeah you do get dungeons. nice stuff um, yeah but it, it just never felt when i got a nice thing it was just like here is a shovel congratulations here's a here's a uh, a bust of a head that you'll use to spend on stuff later it was never good things that are like immediately useful in the main mechanics of the game or whatever like in com- this is going to be useful right now for the combat you're going to do in just a second it was like here's another one of those incremental things that's going to later add up i think this game is so roguelite ish <laughs> that it that it everything is about incremental growth and i like I like a big positive feedback kind of growth. I like a thing to happen that gives me a new ability that lets me try a new thing or whatever. Um, I, I, I think that's maybe where I bounce off of it is in FTL, you're not usually like leveling up the damage of a thing by 5%. You're like gaining a new kind of laser that gives you a new way to think about how you're going to mm-hmm. do the fight. And that kind of progression really clicks with my brain a lot more than just the like, all right, this thing's going to let you go 10% further than you would have because now you have one, it's like one extra torch to go a little bit further. That doesn't do anything for me, I think. Okay. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Um, I, there's definitely an aspect of this that doesn't click with me either. I don't want to make it sound like I, everything about this game works for me. Yeah. Um, the dungeon crawl, as, like dungeon crawlers in general mm-hmm. um, are not, exactly my thing especially if it's like kind of really on the nose like i love the <laughs> right. idea of a dressed up dungeon that where i don't even think about it as a, a dungeon darkest dungeon is one of those games that's fully embracing the D roots of yeah. the idea of the dungeon um which i is kind of a weird point i guess because there's the idea of a dungeon is such an elemental part of game design that sure. most games that I enjoy have Yakuza has dungeons. Yeah, yeah. So you know what I mean? Like <laughs> when you really break it down, but it doesn't feel exactly like a dungeon, uh-huh. like normal style. Right. So therefore it feels different to me. You know what I mean? Well, it's a, um, it's a story hook, right? Cause if I'm actually going to a different place, there's a reason I'm in that place versus mm-hmm. like this game is like, go explore the dungeons surrounding my estate. It's like, right okay what are the oh that's like a swampy dungeon and that's like a castle dungeon but like they're they're literally you just want me to go explore your dungeons like that story wise Mm -hmm. that very clearly does a lot less yeah i i think though like what what is exciting uh to people that that like this type of game is the like the little micro stories that are being told like with each character right as they develop as they accrue uh sanity and different traits 
like how do how do they develop and how do those things play out and where when do their stories come to yeah. like a, a horrible sudden end right well um, and, and like geo morgsky said you know they played this game for over a hundred hours before they actually like strived for the finish line this game is about right. you enjoying the process of doing each individual run and and that each individual run is a slow incremental growth and that sometimes you have major setbacks you lose your a team oh no yeah time to sort of reset that's just set up like that if i if i had lost an a team that'd be it for me as a gamer i'd set the whole thing down and be like well i'm not restarting that i'm done i'm out so right. oh well and right. and that's just that's the kind of feedback i don't enjoy that's a that's like a negative thing that for somebody else that's a thing to persevere through because you just enjoy the act of doing and so from for me i don't enjoy the act of doing i like i don't know i i like a i like a you know a, a worm on the hook <laughs> in front of me like i i like a thing to chase and i don't feel like there's enough of a thing to chase in darkest dungeon you're you're all carrot no stick basically <laughs> let's have let's have minimal stick if 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 at all, just as many carrots yeah. as possible. Sure. Essentially, like, Dark Ascension would be a, on one end of the spectrum and something like Animal Crossing would be on the other. Animal right. Crossing is all carrot to me, yeah. game design, of just yeah. like, here's this, here's this, here's right. this. Um, we don't necessarily want to penalize you for, for anything, whereas Darkest Dungeon is penalizing you for uh dice rolls that you did not volunteer yeah. for that you are not even <laughs> aware of right i don't know i i i do like the sort of everything's on fire see how you can put all these fires out even yeah. though you know you maybe can't type design as well though i think there's something to be respected in like how that is tuned yeah and oh, i would say sure. darkest dungeon to me feels appropriately tuned yes um where it it's going to ruin your day sometimes. Um, but I don't know. I, I found it not that difficult to get some positive momentum on it. And even Matt, in your story of, of your team wipe, it was with a new team. Yeah. So you, you didn't really, while as a player, you maybe lost something as, as in you lost time. Um, pride. Pride. <laughs> yes. Pride. I wasn't going to say pride, but yes, we could say pride. You lost some of, your pride, Matt. Um, you didn't, it, as far as your run, yeah. you were minimally affected. I right. mean, it wasn't, it would, it had you, had you decided to keep playing, that would have had no impact on, on your finishing the game or not. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Except for the fact that now you, Matt, know that sometimes this game will just throw up its hands and be like yeah you're out of here right go go go, go right. sit in the dugout you know yeah. some of it too is too early to know the economy like i'm out some gold but ha ha i wasn't keeping track of like my before mission and after mission gold very well yet except for I, like i knew i was losing some like i it felt like i was on a downward trajectory and i was like oh god if i just keep doing this i'm just gonna run out of gold and then i don't know how i'm gonna progress anymore that's probably not gonna be true right i'm gonna succeed at more missions than i'm gonna fail um but yeah no i i agree with with all of that i i do also think this is the kind of game where i could see myself really uh loving the system more than the playing of it my comparison point is something like starcraft 2 or mm. um hearthstone maybe uh, which are both games that i hate playing i do i don't mm -hmm. play those games i i actively loathe playing starcraft 2 multiplayer it makes me feel yeah. like a worse person 
but I love watching it. I, I, the systems make sense to me and mm-hmm. I love seeing people play with the systems and I get to understand, I get to analyze their play and think about the right. ramifications of what they're doing to manipulate the systems. I just don't like pulling those levers myself. I like thinking about those levers, but the actual act of sort of, you know, trial and error and make things work like that stuff doesn't click with me yet i would like it to i always come back to these kinds of games because i would like to have more tenacity as a gamer i would like to overcome those hurdles and the times when i play games that i do get hooked on and i do overcome hurdles i feel that sense of accomplishment and I, i would like to feel that more often it's not like i'm only looking for games that never challenge me and then just give me like a, you beat the game, right? I, I don't like that. I like solving a puzzle. Um, there's just certain contexts where it feels worse, and so I don't like the doing of it. But I in researching strategy about this game, I was enjoying it, and I could see myself even watching runs like watching people play this game and seeing yeah. their team makeup and be like oh that's really clever and so then that would lead to this and like i get to think about that and and sort of have the uh wires connect in my brain but it's the actual act of like you know take the time out of your day to make that stuff work and sometimes it won't work and you gotta figure out why and do it again that i bounce off of that sometimes yeah i i feel like it really comes down to that like where where is the player agency and how is the game kind of emphasizing the feedback basically? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, earlier I was making that comparison to FTL and I think FTL obfuscates just enough uh, of the punishing the player for random die roll stuff. Like darkest dungeon literally makes you watch as your characters accumulate like negative quirks yeah like it's literally like all right we're done with that dungeon let's see what your character how your characters have changed for the worse. Yeah. you know <laughs> let's see what you're gonna have to deal with now and sometimes you know sometimes they change for the better and they receive quirks that um that are absolutely good but every time your character gets a good quirk it adds a little more drama to mm-hmm. the idea that should they die you know, each each character is rolling so much dice to yeah. decide what happens to them that if you get some good momentum on somebody, then it's going to be real, real sad yeah. um, when uh, when they do inevitably uh, eat it, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I think I would have clicked with this game in a major way had the um, how the art and tone in something a little more in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it was it was just a little bit removed uh, from that, um, and I know that you know a lot of people like this Cthulhu type stuff, and and I I get it. I'm chill with it. I I like uh I like I like this type of stuff too. But it's not like it's not exactly where I want to hang out for a hundred hours. I'll exactly. do that much. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I could not envision myself playing this even over fifty hours because it's just like really I gotta like exist in that headspace for that long. That's that's a bit much, um, but if it was a if it was a shinier coat of paint and a, you know, if, if you got a king of all cosmos in there, yeah, I might I might hang out there for a while. <laughs> okay, so what we're saying basically is that somehow the art should have been more similar to Katamari no, Damacy. Well, hey, you know what? To the art's credit, though, like all of it feeds the same mission statement, right? Mechanically, artistically, like they all mm-hmm. are a part of that cohesive 
vibe, that all works to to plan. It's a horror game, right? It and it and it feels like horror. I am scared to go out on missions. I am scared to come home and see if my characters, you know, are worse for the missions we just did. Like I think all of that stuff thematically is a triumph for uh, this team that, that made this game. Um, I, I see why this indie game uh, exploded with a, a major fan base that is like highly dedicated to it because it, it is doing a lot of really unique things. And it's also doing a lot of uh, just like good design where it's like all of the uh, aspects of the game reinform each other. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think it's good. I think we have to rate it. And that's gonna be, uh, I don't know. You know, this is this is Hunter and I's list, and there are there are things I respect about this game, but at the end of the day, I also uh, did not like the act of playing this game very much. So that's a pretty big conflict uh, in my brain. Right. Well, lucky for us and the listeners, um, it is not a matter of opinion. <laughs> it is a matter of raw truth where we <laughs> place it on this list, and you know we will ultimately uh disappoint everyone if we put it lower on this list of what 60 right now they're only 64 this is number 64 meaning that you know wherever we place it is where it will live forever (laughs) the list is immutable and we overwrite everyone's opinion uh so with with all of that pressure yes uh what place do you want to start looking at matt i want to hear yours first i I have mine selected i i i'm looking at some things and uh this is the first week in a while where i feel like i have a have that struggle where like one thing is way higher and i would definitely put it above one thing but i also would put it way lower than something that is lower so like i'm gonna have like a a massive contradiction uh, mm-hmm. my, my first instinct is 40s. I see this in the 40s. Okay. And, be, and I look, I say that because I see Grand Theft Auto 3 and Kingdom Hearts, and I'm like, it's probably above those. Um, but, like, you know, I also see, uh, like, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 uh, and Donkey Kong Country 3. There's, like, a lot of things lower than those things where I'm like, well, I think Darkest Dungeon is below those in my mind. So it's like a 40s or low 50s vibe with very stark contradictions inside of all of that. Okay. Well, I was going to say 40s. Okay. So I think we should do the 40s um, and see how well it does. And it sounds like 40s may be starting at the bottom. Sure. Um, So I want to read out this 10s place real quick. So our number 40th game of all time is Mario Kart 64, number 41, Inscription, Mass Effect 2, Max Payne, Mirror's Edge, Forza Horizon 5, Star Wars, Shadows of the Empire, Grand Theft Auto 3, Kingdom Hearts, Donkey Kong Country 3, and the number 50 is Anachronox. Well, obviously 50 there, Anachronox is... I don't know how to start there, because I didn't play Anachronox. Uh, yeah, well, I'll say this. <laughs> Me and Son were real nice to Anachronox. <laughs> um, we were really, really nice to Anachronox, and Anachronox is where it is, and that's <laughs> what we think. And we are confident there, so uh, we're we're you seem, good. Uh, yeah, you're brimming with confidence. Uh, Donkey Kong, you know, actually, you know, what's funny is I didn't play Donkey Kong Country Three for this list either. I have played Donkey Kong Country Three in my life, right. but I have not played it in the last decade. So maybe we should start with Kingdom Hearts. Let's start with number forty-eight. Uh, yeah, let's start with Kingdom Hearts. Uh, yeah. So 
for me personally, Kingdom Hearts is um, a very stupid thing. It's this stupid Disney wild whatever thing. And uh, when I was younger, I really loved it. And then the replaying of it is sort of this lesson of like, boy, this is really um, rote. It's just it's just it's just smash X. Um, that being said, though, like I still kind of like navigating the world of Kingdom Hearts. I think your replay of Kingdom Hearts, you bounced off of it quite a bit more than I did on my replay of it. Well, here, I'll, I want to start here with this um, aesthetically. Um, we've got Darkest Dungeon over here on one hand with, uh, the whole, uh, Lovecraftian, you know, Eldritch Horror type stuff. And then we've got Kingdom Hearts over here with, like, Disney, Disney weird JRPG mashup stuff. And let me tell you, I am gonna pick Kingdom Hearts for aesthetics, all right? I just need that to be known that actually between those two things, I choose... Big belts, yep. big, big buckles, mm -hmm. okay? Yep. That's what I like. Now, gameplay-wise, Kingdom Hearts, gross. <laughs> Darkest Dungeon, I can see a lot to like here, yes. okay? Yeah. I can see a lot more to like in something like Darkest Dungeon uh, than Kingdom Hearts. I really, I, and I hate kind of bashing on the same point over and over, Sure. but where Kingdom Hearts really lost me was when it decided to have difficult boss battles. Yeah. I thought that was ludicrous and insane. <laughs> I think that, you know, like there's been some talk on the discord. I feel like people are like a little sad that we, uh, that we have uh, spent some energy hating on kingdom hearts. And I just want to say, I think kingdom hearts two uh, is a much better game because it's a, a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and, a lot dumber right. than Kingdom Hearts 1. Kingdom Hearts 1 is not dumb enough, right. okay? It's a little too regular style in its exploration of Disney. Yeah. Now, here's something else I want to prepare the audience for. I personally think that Kingdom Hearts 3 is probably a secret masterpiece <laughs> because the number one complaint I heard <laughs> about Kingdom Hearts 3 was that the combat doesn't make sense. I can't tell what my character's doing. Just lots of crazy stuff happens on screen. And let me tell you, after playing Kingdom Hearts 1, that sounds really good. Yeah. Like, the idea of the Kingdom Hearts combat making no sense and just being, like, crazy stuff happening the whole time uh -huh. sounds really awesome compared to the darkest souls for babies yeah. that Kingdom Hearts 1 feels like at times to me. Um, but yeah, Darkest Dungeon, I mean, that's like a real game with like real numbers. Exactly, and right. Like, it's, it, 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 it is definitely seems... a real game with actually cohesion. Kingdom Hearts is like the idea of what if none of this was cohesive? <laughs> what if not a single yeah. bit of this matched the energy of any other bit of this? So to that right. end, yeah, even though Darkest Dungeon is not something I love, like I was just saying, it has it has cohesion. It is, it is successfully doing the thing that it's doing, whereas Kingdom Hearts is like, what if we went in 4,000 directions at once and they were all contradicting each other? <laughs> yeah, true dat, true dat. Okay, so I think we can we can comfortably put Darkest Dungeon yeah. above Kingdom Hearts. Let's talk about Grand Theft Auto 3. Um, this is a game that we neither of us really liked, yep. um, but we're kind of, we're split a little bit on how much we disliked it. Matt, yeah. you capital h hate it yeah i i think it's interesting it's one of those games that i would put in the category of like 
interesting to think about and a cultural artifact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also not uh not fun to play and uh annoying to hang out with. Yep. Um, so that's that's pretty weird. It has a pretty weird slot on my own personal list. Um, do I really want to belabor this point too much? I think it'd be really easy to just say Darkest Dungeon is better it's and move easily on. Easily better for me because Grand Theft Auto Three at forty seven is even a little wild in my in my brain. So yeah, it's I hate Grand Theft Auto Three quite a bit, and uh, I think Darkest Dungeon is doing a million interesting more things. I think Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire versus Darkest Dungeon is a very interesting thing because I also don't like playing Shadows of the Empire, but I also think it's quite an interesting game doing a yeah. lot of very interesting things. So trying to compare both aspects of those two things is, uh, and they're both from like established universes with established vibes. And it's just sort of like, let's ruminate even more on those vibes or whatever. Like uh, there's just some more star Wars. There's just some more Lovecraft. Uh, there's a lot similar about these two games. I think that star Wars shadows of the empire is like a janky masterpiece. Yeah. Whereas darkest dungeon does have its stuff together. Right. It, it is a game that uh, wasn't reaching for the impossible. It was like, here, let's do this and execute it quite well. Yeah. Star Wars Shadows of the Empire is like, what if games were all of this at once? <laughs> um, and and so half of it doesn't work. There's a historical aspect of Shadows of the Empire where because we're decades away from it, we got to see where all it went. And Darkest Dungeon is from 2016, and it's like an indie game. Like, it's, it's influences are not going to go to nearly as many places. Uh, so it's like, I, I don't know how to equate, I don't know how to talk about Darkest Dungeon's legacy in any way. I know it's a game I hear about all the time and people still play to this day. And there's a sequel coming out like very soon. There's a, there's a sequel that's been in early access for a bit and it's coming out relatively soon. Um, and people are super hyped for it. But I don't know any sort of longevity to that. Whereas it's like, I know where Shadows of the Empire stands. But I certainly think Darkest Dungeon is like an actually competently built game whereas shadows of the empire is a bunch of competent experiments basically. yeah yeah I, I really don't know how to compare these two to be honest matt i know which one i like better which is star wars shadows of the empire yeah but i don't know how to back up that opinion sure against something like darkest dungeon that is like ultimately like fully realized yeah you know yeah. what i mean but darkest or um shadows of the empire it just has so many dang ideas. Yeah. And even though I hate some of them, like, <laughs> I do kind of hate... There's, like, some of the stuff towards the end of that game was, like, pretty bad. But I don't know. You get a jetpack. That's pretty cool. <laughs> there's no jetpack in Darkest Dungeon. I don't know, Matt. I'm really going to need you to have an yeah. opinion here between these two. My, my like, opinion is this. Um, I traditionally... Like, I, I, I genuinely don't even want to play Shadows of the Empire because I think it controls, like, a, a broken train or something. Like, it just, it, it literally feels very bad on maybe all aspects mechanically. And it's just the mm -hmm. ideas that I think are fun. Whereas Darkest Dungeon, I'm bouncing off a lot of things, but I can list for you all of the things I do like about it. And it's just, like, sometimes it feels like the game gets in the way of itself for me personally. But, like, I love mm -hmm. that hub world. I love the the actual slots uh, mechanic, the, like, four positions on the thing. There's a lot of things I do like about it. And there's, like, a stylistic thing where I do want... 
uh, to see Shadows of the Empire. I always make Shadows of the Empire lose. And I'm like, ah, I feel bad for that. But it's just like, this is another time where I'm like, I don't know. There's, I see more to enjoy in Darkest Dungeon than I do in Shadows of the Empire. I, I would keep trying more Darkest Dungeon way more than I would ever return to Shadows of the Empire. It's like, Shadows of the Empire, I get it, and, and I'm not going to play it. I'll, I'll read about its history and see its, you know, where it went, but, like, I do think it's just, like, a busted little game. Yeah. I've played through Shadows of the Empire probably ten times in my life, <laughs> and I probably will play, before <laughs> I die, I will probably play through it again. Yeah. Um. So, now... I mean, I don't know. I could see myself playing more Darkest Dungeon, though, to be honest as well. Yeah. So maybe that doesn't really stand. I'm down to let Darkest Dungeon go above it. Yeah. Um, this next conversation, I think, will be interesting. Darkest Dungeon versus Forza Horizon 5, though. Yeah. The, here, now we're talking about two competent games. Right. That we we haven't actually had that conversation yet. It's been yeah. Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> it's been Grand Theft Auto 3, but Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. Now we have to talk about two games, complete yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, I think, stylistically, Darkest Dungeon is obviously, like, better. Forza Horizon 5's style is, like, it's just so, I don't know, like, Oi, bro! <laughs> race the car, mate! And so, I... I yeah, the eh. UI, the, I'll take, I'll take Darkest Dungeon's UI yeah. over Forza Horizon 5's Although, UI. to the UI point, I played Darkest Dungeon on Steam Deck, Hunter, did you play it mouse and keyboard? Um, I tried to play it on the Steam Deck, and I, then I, di I didn't like it, so I, I played it mouse yeah, and keyboard. I, I, think I, yeah. I think I hindered my own experience playing it with a controller. I think that game is really weird with a controller, because I think you lose access to a lot of information, maybe. Because uh, it felt like I was like really in the dark, and I think I should have uh, given it a go with some more mouse and keyboard. Uh, but... So to that end, there's parts of the UI in Darkest Dungeon that I felt were like crazy nebulous and weird. Uh, so, but for Forza Horizon 5 is like literally toxic, <laughs> like gross mechanical stuff. So, but that being said, the opposite is true for Forza Horizon 5. Throw away everything else. I just like driving those cars around. Like I love just the doing of Forza Horizon 5 and that keeps I me did. hooked. I did like driving the cars a lot. Um, it's a chill <laughs> vibe. You can drive a Ferrari in the in the sunlight and yeah. on the beach, you know. It's... I literally could have. I was doing Yakuza Kiwami, but like the other maybe obvious break game for Darkest Dungeon for me would have been Forza Horizon Five. Like that was stressful. Let me zone out and just drive across the countryside in in my car game would have been a great relief from the stresses I was enduring with Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, I think I think my week with Forza Horizon Five. Well, like I had problems with it, just like I have some problems with dark with Darkest Dungeon, uh -huh. was uh, a more fun experience. I think I gotta edge out and say that my vote is Forza Horizon Five. I could be convinced to go the other way. I think they're really close no. as far I, as the level of quality, but well, and I and I wouldn't try to uh con to to go in either direction because I also want Forza Horizon Five, and then I look ahead. And the, the next few that I see, there's no way Darkest Dungeon is even a conversation for me with those. Like Mirror's Edge, no. I, I think Mirror's Edge is like more important and more interesting than Darkest Dungeon. Max Payne, certainly more interesting. Um, I, I, I think the buck very much stops there. So it's really just a matter of is it ahead or behind Forza Horizon 5. And yeah, just as an enjoyable experience, 
uh, I think about Forza Horizon 5 pretty often these days still. Uh, it's a game yeah. I, I should... I just started uh, using your Game Pass more often. I, I have, I have your That's game. Good. I should just get my you own. You gotta use my Game but Pass, like, bud. I can, I, it's, I, it just was this moment that I realized, oh my god, I can just keep picking up Forza Horizon 5 again. I need to get that going. I need to just play that game when I when I have five minutes and I want to feel better. Yeah. You can play it anytime you want. <laughs> that's that's got to be my thing again. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I'll say this though, because uh, you mentioned uh, Mirror's Edge. Yeah. Um, I actually would, just for the record, I just want to say, I actually would put Darkest Dungeon above Mirror's Edge. Yeah. Uh, if not for it not getting the chance to have that conversation because of how weird the list works. Yeah. Um, I actually think, uh, warning to all you Mirror's Edge fans out there. I know Mirror's <laughs> Edge is a game that. Um, we haven't talked as positively about as some members of the audience would like us to. But let me tell you, Neon White is making <laughs> me feel like Mirror's Edge is a baby toy. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Neon White is a full-on Mirror's Edge game. Right. All yeah. right? And it makes Mirror's Edge seem pretty quaint. And yeah. not, like, like Neon White... Oh, I can't wait till we talk about Neon White. Anyways, that's a game that puts the game part first yeah, right the speed running is the it's so is the funny pitch. they both have oh okay i can't wait we'll do, we'll do it we'll do it next week. i, I gotta play neon white and i'm very excited for it because i think i'm gonna feel the same i love when we get a game oh, oh hey uh so darkest dungeon is number 46 on the list i think um, we're, we're heading towards 46 territory darkest dungeon uh all right i love when a game gets added to this list that makes me want to push a different game lower on the list. You know what I mean? Yo, like yeah. when a game, when one game gets added and it's like, Hey, that other game actually needs to go further down the list. Now, like we've replaced, I, I'm excited for those to, things to happen more often. <laughs> Neon white is going to bury mirrors edge. <laughs> Neon white has decanonized mirrors edge. There is no point to mirrors edge right. anymore. You all. And I say this as a nice thing. If you yeah. are a big mirrors edge person, and you want that hit well guess what neon white has got you covered yeah. and it's fully realized and it's a capital g game Man, like well, i'm stoked. with a horrible story and i cannot <laughs> wait to talk about what you do with that with just the worst story yeah i I mean, actually, the story's not that bad. I'm actually coming around on... You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Here's going to be my move with the neon white thing, is I'm just going to say that the story's actually really good, and the voice acting and script is all really good. And I like it. I like when I'm playing a game with characters saying words like himbo. Oh, gosh. And, uh, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> That's great. Well, really I, I can't wait. I'm I'm starting it like today, basically, is, is when I finally get to dig into... Like, getting Darkest Dungeon behind... If anything, I'll, I'll peel behind the curtain... We could have spent like another week with Darkest Dungeon and I could have like really tried to like decide to feel better about it. But he wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna. And I just would like to sink more time into Neon White. Every second I stop playing Darkest Dungeon is more time I get to play Neon White. So I want to do that. That's what I'd rather do. So that's that's the new mission. Is I get to start Neon White now, and that's next week. First episode. impressions are are really important with Matt. That's something you got to find out about Matt. It's it, that first impression's got to be strong. If the yeah. first impression is weak, it's. I don't know. I'm not going to say definitively that I've never seen a first impression turn around with you. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I think I have seen you start with with one opinion and, and turn back. But I feel like it's I feel like it's not it's not too frequent that that happens. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you so, got to overcome a lot to turn me around on, yeah. on a game, especially because you're you are dealing in borrowed time already. I don't I don't get yeah. to just sink 
five more hours in to see if it if it gets better. Uh, I'm gonna resent you that entire time, which means you you how are you gonna improve your lot when I'm not giving you the chance to basically you know it's it's unfair treatment, but it's it's how my brain uh works I guess so i I, I just wanted to mention something interesting about darkest dungeon. Um, I of course am keeping track of my own list uh-huh. my own version of this entire list as we go. I add games to my list um and it makes me feel. Uh, real good because I, I I only look at the OGA list for like just a second. It's basically just while we're ranking, and and after that, I mean, I've already closed it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's closed. I'm not looking at it. I'm looking at my list. My list is great. This is a good list. You ought to check this list some out sometime. Um, I just wanted to say for Darkest Dungeon, Darkest Dungeon is my new Mendoza line. Oh, um, if you remember from the re-ranking episode, the Mendoza line is like my minimum line of quality where i would say everything above the mendoza line i like well enough to where i don't see major faults yeah which is pretty messed up when you consider that star wars shadows of the empire is actually above my mendoza line um but shut up you don't know how it works (laughs) everything below my mendoza line i like with some pretty major caveats so i just wanted to point that out forza forza horizon 5 was my old mendoza line game and now darkest dungeon has taken that spot uh on my list so darkest dungeon is the first or the i guess the lowest rank game on my list when it comes to games that i like with no major caveats right so if that's a feather in its cap i don't know i don't know if that is Uh, maybe it isn't maybe that actually isn't much of a compliment but (laughs) i just wanted to mention that for sure it's it for me it's a game i respect more than i like playing and and that that list is quite long in my world in my camp there's a lot of games i can't play i don't play them but boy i think they're cool i sure do think they're neat but i hate doing it myself that that's that's a lot of things so so that's not a, a a negative for this game at all. What do you think that is the percentage of games on this list that you like with no caveats? Uh, maybe like tw- between ten and twenty percent, probably. What does that equal? Uh, sixty-four uh, games. Like, yeah, like 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 ten-ish games. I probably have no caveats for. Maybe maybe wow. maybe fifteen. Maybe there's like fifteen games I have absolutely no caveats for. Yeah, that's crazy. That's <laughs> that's that's like I don't you know, trust I mean, my like, brain. I don't again. I don't trust my own brain. So some of those caveats are like, I love it, but I see why someone wouldn't. You know, I do that a lot. I play that game way too often. Of like, well, I see why it's probably like Hyperlight Drifter has become the definitive example of that, right? I love that game, but the caveats are that I see why other people don't like them, and I can I can make sense of those things, and I can talk about the things that fail in that game. It's not a caveat for how I feel about it, but it's a caveat for how I would rank it, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I like Hyperlight Drifter. I just think that, you know, I, I actually think this show actively hurt Hyperlight Drifter for me because <laughs> there was that era, that early era of the yeah. show where it felt like it was being talked about every single week. We haven't <laughs> talked about it in a while, which is, which is nice. It's good. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's one of those things where sometimes if you hold a magnifying glass up to something. I if I spend too much time with it, then I start seeing faults that I would not have seen. Right. You know what I mean? Because to me, sometimes something is just like 
it's just good in just a normal way. It's like Dr. Pepper. Yeah. It's like, I just want to drink one a year for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't want to drink it every day because then I'll be like, actually, this isn't very good. You know what I mean? But yeah, sure. if I just have one a year, then I will continue to like Dr. Pepper for the rest of my life. Yeah. You understand? My grandpa is one of those people who drank a Dr. Pepper every single day for his entire... Has drinking a Dr. Pepper every day for his entire life. Yeah, you know, I heard it keeps you young. Dr. Anyways, Pepper. go buy He's Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, everybody. <laughs>